Likutei Sichais, Chelek Tezvav, Volume 15, the fourth Sicha for Parshas Vayetze. All the stories, narratives, in even specific details that Hashem chose to share with us in the Torah obviously happened as they are described in the Torah. However, the fact that Hashem wants us to know about it tells us that there is a great lesson in it for us. Otherwise, of what purpose would it be? Of what use would it have been for us to know those specific details? So in this Sicha, we're going to learn about something which is discussed at length in this week's Parsha, the idea of Yaakov amassing his wealth specifically of sheep, primarily of you know sheep, working with sheep, and then later becoming very rich off the sheep. What is this idea? What is the concept of the sheep? Just as an introduction, something we should keep in mind, will help us throughout the uh, Sicha. There's something called Seder Hishtalshilus. Literally, it means the order of evolvement, which means that basically Hashem obviously is beyond any whatsoever interaction in the world. However, He chooses to emanate His godly energy into the world, and that goes through a whole order of evolvement, or if you want to call it a chain of command. That's called Seder Hishtalshilus. So there, there are higher and so-called higher and lower levels. And each one has its place, and each one, of course, interacts with the other, but then there is a hierarchy. There's an order, there's a pecking order, so to speak. How, however, when it goes beyond Seder Hishtalshilus, which means Hashem himself, that's beyond any whatsoever consideration of this level or that level. Everything becomes insignificant. Another thing that we should keep in mind, a very powerful uh, concept that will be discussed in the Sicha, Bito, literally means self-nullification or being void. This Bito means when one feels totally and absolutely subservient to Hashem and doesn't feel, so to speak, uh, themselves as being a separate entity. Bito means that you're totally void, totally given over, totally, uh, like I said, subservient to something higher than you. So in our, our Parsha, the Torah tells us at great length and great detail how Yaakov was in the house of his father-in-law, his uncle Lavan, and how he was totally dedicated to the work that he did with shepherding the sheep, number one. And number two, how later, when it came to the point where Lavan was forced to give him his reward for all this work, he got that, he got that, he achieved that by the means of the sheep. Again, the sheep that gave birth, and the whole story and all the detail that the Torah goes into. So Yaakov's wealth was amassed from sheep. This he became very rich from. As it says, that the man became very extremely exceedingly wealthy and he had sheep he had many many sheep and then it says he had maidservants and servants and, and camels and donkeys and Rashi says that the order in the verse is telling us that first he had the sheep and with the money that he amassed from all that sheep that's where he went and he bought a, he went ahead and bought all the other possessions. That means that the main aspect of his riches was that he was, you know, he was in possession of so much sheep. However, when you look in next week's Parsha, in Parsha's Vayishlach, if you recall the story where Yaakov sends the message to Esau and he tries to 
impress upon him and intimidate him. And he tells him, listen, I have all this stuff. And what did he first enumerate? What is the, so to speak, order of priority? He says, He says, I had oxen and I had donkeys. And only then does he mention sheep. So it seems over there that the sheep is, is less significant or inferior in importance to the uh, oxen and the, and the donkeys. And the question is, what is going on? Why the difference? Why the change? Here it seems that the, the, the Parsha is making the emphasis that his main aspect was the sheep, and over there he seems to be like almost like a secondary thing. Now everything that we learn in the Torah, as we said in the introduction, is an everlasting directive for every single Jew in every single time. Especially something that happened to the Avois, to our patriarchs, as the Ramban tells us, my say whatever happened to them, whatever occurred to them, is a sign and also a pathway for all the descendants later for every single Jew. So from this we can understand that this concept, this idea of sheep and Yaakov has a connection to each and every one of us, of us in our spiritual service of Hashem. And that there's three things over here that we need to focus on to get our directives. Number one, specifically the idea, the, 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 the fact that the sheep was the specific source of his riches. In other words, this is the main thing. Number two, that ultimately Yaakov did not suffice with just having the sheep, but he went ahead and he purchased, he acquired other things too. And number three, that when it comes to dealing with Esau, over there Yaakov puts the sheep in a, in a, in a later uh, spot, so to speak. He puts ahead of the sheep, he puts the aspect of Shoir and Hamor, the ox and the donkey and so on. So to understand all of this, we'll do it by means of introducing a very interesting medrash on a few and several psukim, Shirashirim and Yishayo and so on. But the point that is relevant to us is that the the, the, the Medrash says, in reference to the relationship between us, that is the Yidin, and Hashem, that that he is to me like a father, and I am to him, we are to him like a son. A line or two later, the same Medrash says, that Hashem is to me like a shepherd, and we are to him like his sheep. Now the question is, if we're considered like, quote, a son, a child to Hashem, what, what more could there be than that? In other words, what does the aspect of being like Hashem's sheep add? If anything, it's insignificant. What value does it have in the love that one has to his sheep, in, in the cherish, how cherished it may be in the, in the shepherd's eyes, in the owner's eyes, versus the relationship between a father and a child? So the explanation of this actually is explained in Chassidus, in Eurah Torah by the Tzemach Tzedek, where he says, if we look at the aspects, what is the idea of sons versus sheep? Son, when you, th- when you say someone's a son, although, of course, that in itself inherently indicates that there's a great attachment between the son and the father, because the son comes from the father, but yet, at the same time, what is the idea of a son? That he becomes a separate metzius. He, so to speak, becomes a separate entity for himself once he is born, once he is developed into a son. And that, that is 
uh, of course, we must say, you know, the, the caveat here, of course, is that ultimately the neshama, the soul, never separates from Hashem. This is only an example when we say it's like a son. Because the neshama, a Jew, can never become separate from Hashem because it's always part of Hashem. But yet, being that it's given this title, it's given this description of being like a son, so this means that it, 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 it represents, so to speak, the Jew being in the idea and the aspect of a son where in the one hand he is, quote, a separate entity, yet he is so close and so connected to Hashem and he is so beloved by Hashem. In other words, he is so important. This idea is what plays a role when we look at matters, when we approach matters from the aspect of Seder Hishtalshus. Seder Hishtalshus means the order of involvement over there. There is, you know, a hierarchy. There is, you know, there's more, there's less. And, you know, things play, play a role. So what we're saying is that since the Yid is like a Ben, therefore he is so special in the eyes of Hashem. However, now we'll focus on the aspect of Tzayin, of sheep, when we look at Lemailom is Seder Hishtalshilus, beyond Seder Hishtalshilus, so to speak, Hashem Himself. And as it says in Koheles, Shleim HaMelech says, he describes it as being Gam Bein Va'och Einloi, it being as a state, that's where Hashem Himself, so to speak, is in a state where, quote, He has no brother, He has no son, there, there's no real uh, reference to anything other than Hashem Himself. Over there, there's no, so to speak, any whatsoever mitzius, any whatsoever existence outside of Hashem. And that's where this concept of, quote, we uh, sheep, us being likened to sheep, comes to play a role. That just like sheep have absolutely no significance and value in estimation compared to the shepherd, compared to the owner of the sheep, yet he likes them. There's a certain value that the sheep bring that he makes the, makes the shepherd like the sheep and enjoy the sheep, so too, in this level of godliness, which is beyond Seder Hishtalshilus, and there nothing seems to play a role, yet we're saying that we're like Hashem's sheep, where nothing has a significance, yet Hashem loves us, Hashem desires us, Hashem shows us this special favor. And this show, this actually, this aspect of us, this aspect, meaning the idea of us being like sheep, actually... It indicates the greatness of the Jewish people more so than when we say we're like Hashem's children, the bane, the aspect of son. Why? Because here we're saying that even in a level where nothing seems to matter to Hashem, where nothing seems to play a role of significance, yet Hashem still loves us there and Hashem still desires us and cherishes us. That shows how great we are. But what is this greatness? Why do we use now sheep as an example for this? Why sheep? I mean, when somebody owns any, owns any animals, there's also such an insignificance in the, in the value of the animal compared to the, human, the value of the human being who owns it. But why sheep specifically? Because sheep have a very powerful uh, aspect. They represent the idea of beetle. Sheep are just sheep that just steer their bottle. They have an absolute beetle to the owner, absolute beetle, even if you ever have seen the way they're sheared and so on. Very, very, they're, they're non-combative. They're non they don't seem to have, so to speak, a mind of their own or a desire of their own. They represent the ultimate in beetle. So how do we become so special by Hashem? Not because we are a significance, not because we carry ourselves as if we are have some value, but because of our beetle, that's why Hashem loves us, because we're compared to the, to, to, to the, the sheep.
Now, these two descriptions of son versus sheep, actually they hint to the two various, the two different modes of avoida. That means the two general modes that a Jew is in. You have the general and most important avoida that a Jew has to be engaged in, and that is study of Torah, limud ha-Torah. Now, when it comes to study of Torah, there we're like a bane, like a son to Hashem. How so? Because on the one hand, we're connected to Hashem. You're studying Hashem's Torah. But how do you study a Torah? How does Hashem want us to engage in the understanding and the comprehension of Torah? By using our brains. In other words, by being what appears to be a metzius bifnei atzmai. Almost being by a, as if as if we are to, to as if to say we're like a separate entity. We understand Torah. We apply it with our minds. Try to understand and sometimes even manipulate the comprehension of the Torah. And that's where we come to the ultimate level of Torah. Of course, this desire is the prerequisite of Beetle. as we say at the end of Shmona Esrei when we ask Hashem to give us our portion of the Torah. We ask Hashem to give us the, the comprehension that we need in Torah. We say, Quote, that my soul should be like dust to everyone, means that I should be totally bottle, and then open my heart in your Torah. So we see, of course, there is the prerequisite that you need, with, which is bitul, in order to approach Torah. But ultimately, when you're studying Torah, you cannot study Torah with Bittal. In fact, Hashem does not want us to do it. If you study Torah with Bittal and everything that it says in the book, you just accept and you don't question and you don't debate and you don't deliberate, that's not the study of Torah. That's just, you know, almost like a, 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 par- a parrot just repeating words. That's not what Hashem wants. Hashem wants us to use our minds to understand and comprehend the Torah through our minds. So that's where you have the aspect of the bane. However, on the other hand, you have the aspect, the avoda, that a Jew has, which is likened to tzayin. Tzayin, the sheep, which is the avoda of birudim, of going out there into the world to elevate the sparks. In fact, the Alter Rebbe says in, in Torah Ur that the word tzayin, the word sheep, also comes from the etymology of the word lotzeis, to go out which means that someone goes in, out, is, is, is in a mode of going out of one's comfort zone, of going out of one's spiritual comfort, which is going out of the, um, the, the quintessential four amos of the Torah and to go out there and to work with the world. This a Jew does not do for himself. This inherently is not something that you're doing for your own purpose, for your own uh, for your own, so to speak, self-gratification. Because this is something which requires a lot of discomfort. And this is something which is not pleasurable. You have to go out of where you feel you really belong. And that, this is why it's inherently connected to the idea of tzoyin, tzoyin, to go out, but tzoyin also in the, in, in, in the idea of sheep, because this is the ultimate idea of bitl. And now we can understand why the idea of tzoyin, of sheep, is so much attached, and it's so much connected to Yaakov. And let's take now Yaakov as we know him, primarily from these three parshiyos: Toldois, Vayetze, Vayishlach. We already discussed Vayetze, we mentioned Vayishlach. Let's go back to Toldois. What happened in Toldois? In the end of Parsha Toldois, it already tells us that Yaakov left his father's home. 
but it doesn't, he didn't really leave totally. In fact, he was the same person as mentioned in the beginning of Parshas Torahs, which is the Yaakov who is in quote in Oholashal Torah, in the tense of Torah. He is immersed in Torah. Yaakov Ishtam, Yoshev Ahalim. He is the man who's always engaged in studying Torah, sitting in the tents of Torah. Even when he left his father's home, for 14 years, he was there in the yeshiva of Shem and Aver, continuing to study Torah. Only in Parshas Vayetze does he quote, go out. He leaves and now his main avoida, his main focus, his main objective is to work with the world. He leaves the, the Dalar Amas of Torah. He's engaged day and night, as, as described in the Parsha, in working with, with the world, working with Lovin's sheep, with Lovin's property, and so on. And as he said, he worked with his entire strength. He gave himself totally over. This is the elevation of the sparks. And what do you see? That Dafke here is where he reached the highest levels, as he says later, Im lovon garti that although I live with Lovon, but I was able now to truly and absolutely keep all the 630 mitzvahs. And here is where he, he, uh, he accomplished mitasei shlema, that he had most, almost all of the 12 shvatim of Am Yisrael. This is where he did it, here in this strange place, in the outside, so to speak, where he was doing the will of Hashem out of total bittel. And this is now we can understand why his main possessions, his main riches came from sheep. Because his main, the main achievement, in other words, his, his greatest acquisition was what? This idea of Bittl, which came specifically by being outside of the tents of Torah, by being away from his comfort zone, by being out there in the world, not no less a place like the house of Lavan, which is totally out there in the dark. And that's where he came to the ultimate Bittl, doing something which maybe for him personally wasn't so pleasurable, but this is the will of Hashem. Now, just like we mentioned before, that in the Avoida of Ben, meaning when one studies Torah, and you have to be, so to speak, an entity for yourself, a, a, an autonomous ent- entity, in order to, to have that true accomplishment in Torah, that you study Torah. But yet we said that there's a prerequisite. You also need to couple with it the idea of Bittel, otherwise it's your Torah, it's not Hashem's Torah. Likewise, when we're focused on the Avoda mode, of tzayin, of being like sheep, of being bottled to Hashem, but it's not good, and it's certainly insufficient, to just be pure bitl, only have bitl, to have raw bitl, so to speak. Why? Because that can actually be counterproductive. Because if you're totally bitl, then you don't, you don't exist, and you can't accomplish anything. You become, so to speak, like a pushover. This is not good for what you need to accomplish. In other words, it has to be the foundation of everything. But on the other hand, you, in order to, 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 to fully accomplish and carry out Hashem's kavana, Hashem's intent and purpose, and while you're out there, you need to also have some strength, you need to have some character, you need to have some, so to speak, color of more than just bitul. You need to have that self-expression. What, this will help us explain. That on the one hand, he had amassed his main you know, the main wealth that he amassed was Bittl. That means that was the main thing. However, then he went ahead and he acquired all the various animals and servants and maidservants, which each one represents character traits, right? Each one represents certain strengths, certain qualities that one needs in order to get the job done. In other words, 
you know, you think about it, let's say like a shliach, okay? The reason why he goes out there, why the family goes out there is because they're bottled to the Rebbe. But if they just go with bittel, they're not going to have, you know, strength, self-character, and, 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 and even somewhat of a slight ego to, to really impress the people around them, that they're not going to really accomplish anything. So you need to have all of that. That's why Yaakov Avinu acquired all of that. So now we took care of the second point. We said, what does this mean? Now the third point, why is it that when he sent the message to Esau, he emphasized first the, uh, the aspect of the ox and the donkey, and only then did he mention the sheep, is because when he was dealing with Esau, he had to approach it from a totally different angle. When he was dealing with Esau, this was, a, this was about showing Esau how strong he is how firm he is. It was actually also a means of intimidating Esau, to get him to be afraid of him. Here, he couldn't just come and tell him, listen, I am totally bottle, and uh, you know, I'm a pushover. On the contrary, he told him, listen what I have. I have shur, I have oxen, I have chamur, I have all that strength. By the way, and then why did he mention also sheep? By the way, I also have the aspect of tzoyin. In other words, don't think that the shur and the chamur, this idea, these character traits, so to speak, this, this expression of my character trait, of being so firm, of being so strong, and being so decisive, is something that is exclusively my own. No, this comes because I am attached to Hashem, because I am sign, I am totally bottled to Hashem, and therefore I have all of that. In other words, I have a healthy aspect of shoir, chamoir, all that stuff, all that strength, all that self-esteem and so on, is not, you know, the negative type, but it's of the positive type that comes because I have tzayin, I have the bitl to kedusha to Hashem. Says the Rebbe, the lesson for all of us is that the first and foremost objective of our times, of our generations, is that a person has to know that the objective is to go out. Vayetze, you have to go out into the world. You have to bring light into the world. Now, of course, the prerequisite for it is in the early years of a person is to start off with like toildais, which is the study of Torah, to be totally immersed in the study of Torah. But when it comes to time, you have to go out of your comfort zone and, you know, out of the comfort of your own community and your own surroundings and go out there in the world and, and help, you know, bring shine, shine the world with the light of Torah, with the light of mitzvahs. And this is not just to make Jews to become elevated from where they are. In other words, to take Jews, let's say, who are mediocre uh, in, in learning the Torah and make them greater Tamida Chachamim. May take people who are maybe a little observant and make them more observant. This is actually even to go out there and to do what maybe can look like menial work of literally saving lives, making sure that a yid, even with one thing, with one mitzvah, remains connected to Judaism, doesn't have to and become detached from Judaism. Now, in order for this to be done with extreme success, one needs to have bitl. One needs to be bottle. When you do the shlichus, because you bottle to Hashem, not because it makes sense to you, not because it is pleasurable to you, then even if you end up in a place or in a situation which is not desirable, which doesn't get, excite you, still then you do what Hashem wants you to do. You do the shlichus, you do what you're supposed to do, and you do it, because this is what Hashem wants, and then you succeed very much. And this is what we see, the blessing, and you see the fulfillment of the blessing by Yaakov, that from all kinds of Jews, from in this case, from all kinds of sheep by Yaakov, the various ones, the sickly ones, the spotted ones this way, the ones, the striped ones, each one together, what did they do? It says, 
That no matter what happens, no matter what Lavan did, no matter what the opposing powers try to uh, do, try to influence, all the sheep, quote, gave birth, they gave birth to white sheep, to good, beautiful Yidin. And this is, of course, the preparation to bring us to the time of Mashiach, when no Yid will be left behind, every single Jew will be accounted for and be brought back home.